much, Rachel and team, for leading us this morning. I just do get that sense that uh, God is, is moving and working, even though there might be lots of empty seats between you, He is here. And, uh, you know, we're, we, we just acknowledge His presence and what He's doing in our hearts today. And, uh, and I, I encourage you just to be open to what God wants to say to you. Before we, we start, uh, let me just tell you a, a couple of really quick things. At the 11 o'clock service this morning, Leanne Hodgson's going to actually do a, a short membership ceremony with us. And so I just wanted to mention that to you in advance so that you, you don't miss that. You know, you, you know that that's actually happen, happening in the church. This is one of the things we have to learn to juggle with with two services, right? Um, the, the next thing is, last week I think I said Wednesday night would be the last Wednesday in July, right? And it, it turns out it wasn't. And God knew that he wanted to extend prayer and fasting for one more Wednesday. So you got another opportunity. Please join us this Wednesday night at 6.30. We're fasting through the day. We break the fast after we have prayed on Wednesday night. And so I encourage you to be there. It's short but powerful. And lastly, we are changing things from next week uh, just a little bit because uh, we've noticed the last couple of weeks that we have been fully subscribed for both services. I know it's hard to tell with all the uh, spare seats around, but most of them actually left and went that way. Not most, but a big bunch went that way. And so here's what we're going to do for, just for a season until things... Uh, I was going to say get back to normal, but, you know, what's normal these days? But until uh, we can pack this place again with all of us, which I personally am looking forward to, um, the kids will go straight into Kids Church, into Hills Kids and the bubs as well, when they arrive at um, 9 or at 11 o'clock. Okay? You'll still uh, take your kids to the area underneath their outside where, the, where they will gather, and then they'll end up in the cubby, which uh, we can allow um, up to 26 people there at the two-square-metre rule. They won't be able to sing in there, unfortunately, uh, but they'll be in there, and the bubs will be in the office from next week going forward. That means that people who have been trying to come and couldn't because we were fully subscribed, hopefully it means we can fit them all in across the two services. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. Fantastic. And my big thanks to Beck and the team for the great job they're doing with our kids. And, uh, you know, we've asked them to do even more now and just say, can you have them for a bit longer? And, she, and, and they said yes. So that was really good. So we thank them for that. Um, when you go to check in on uh, register online, which you can do today for next week, you'll notice it's a little bit different because you now have to indicate how many kids you've got in each of the different programs. Okay, so it'll be how many adults or infants, for example, that'll be in here, then the Hills kids and the bubs. All right, hopefully that makes sense. We are in week nine in this series, series in the book of James uh, called More Than Words. And as I've said each week, the theme that follows through this book, it, it's a simple one in, in some ways. Our actions, our life, our character must match the declaration of faith that we have in Jesus and if that's not the case, you know, James really kind of, he kind of calls into question what's going on with our faith. You know, is it, is it real? We call ourselves a Christian with our mouth, but do our, you know, people encountering us in that way, they're receiving that through our interactions with them. And so each week I've asked this question right at the beginning, do the people around me know that I love Jesus? And what I mean by that is by how I talk to them. You know, how, how generous am I by how I talk about others, by my compassion, by my desire to lift people up, by my love, by my character and integrity, 
but my willingness to forgive by the, you know, the joy of the Lord that's, that's present in us who follow Jesus. You know, do they encounter that from me? By my patience and self-control, you know, my, my desire to be a peacemaker, by my concern for those who are less fortunate than me. You know, is that how they're experiencing me? Do they, do they know I love Jesus by those things? Do those most close to me experience Jesus through me? Not just those that we encounter occasionally where we you know, smile and, and, and are happy <laughs> and joyful and polite. But what about those most close to us? You know, do my kids experience Jesus through me? Do they know that I love Jesus from my actions? You know, do, do my parents know that? My spouse? My work colleagues, you know, my, my customers and my suppliers and all those things, do they all, can they tell? Because someone who has Jesus living in the heart is always changing it. And those things I just mentioned, they become more and more evident over time. And our stated belief in Jesus is matched by who we are, you know, our actions. People should be able to see something different about me from 10 years ago. I hope there's people here today that could say there's something different from you, Nathan, from 10 years ago, or there's something different from five years ago, or you know, if we're really pushing in with disciplines and going after Jesus from 12 months ago even. You know, can people see that, that difference in me? Because we're always being refined if we're walking with the Lord. You know, we're always being sanctified, that fancy word we like to use, hopefully. You know, are, are we? You know, that's the question. You know, this is what James is on about. So we're going to finish off chapter 4 this week. I feel like I've said this a few times, but I pre-warn you, this is challenging stuff. But I love it. And you know what, church? We should embrace being challenged by God's word. Amen? Because if... It should change us to be more like Jesus, and that's how I want people to know me. That's how I want people, uh, God to know me. You know, I was thinking about this week. I was thinking, you know, what is it that I want people to, to think about me or to say about me? And I wondered what the gap was between what I want people to say about me and what people probably do say about me. You know, not, not for my own ego, but because I want to reflect Jesus. And I, and I just, <laughs> there's probably a gap. It was challenging to me. It's a tough question to ask yourself. But when I allow James to challenge me to change, you know, even if it's just that 1% every week, maybe that's why I need 100 sermons in James, we'll be 100% changed. But if it's just 1% each week, I'm excited. I want to be like that. So for me, I embrace these teachings. It's good for me. It's good to be challenged. You know, I believe an entire church being challenged to be more like Jesus. It makes us shine brighter in our neighbourhood. You know, it, it really is that, that prayer that Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. And it's the church channeling Jesus in our, in our relationship with him that actually sees that fulfilment. I found myself taking on these teachings over nine weeks and I do see some results. You know, church, if that's you, if you're sitting there going, yeah, I've, there's been a couple of these sermons. I was so challenged. That I, made, I went to God and I've, I've made a change in my life and there's a difference there. Can I encourage you to tell me? I would love to know. 
if, if James is challenging you over nine weeks. You know, email me or call me or something like that. I'm not going to make you get up and share, unless you want to, maybe we could do that, but I'm just, it'd be good to hear the testimonies of what God is doing. So let's begin. James 4, we're up to verse 11. It'll be on the screen behind me. Here's what he said. Remember James, brother of Jesus. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. You know, maybe, let me just pause there for a second. Because sometimes we've got to think about or let God, God's word speak to us for a second. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you, because it does. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Just two verses this week from James. I've got some others to throw in. But as I said, this is challenging stuff, and yet simple, isn't it? You know, I could just stop right there and say, think about that for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> Speaking evil about someone or judging them, it's in direct contradiction with God's law. You say, well, which one? I thought, well, let me go back as far as I can in the Bible. And it's this one, Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, it's like God was just tagged that bit on the end to say, hey, it's me speaking. This is the command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So point number one, speaking evil and judging others, it violates a direct command from God. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Now, we have to be clear about what this means. There obviously are times when we need to call out people's inappropriate behavior. I don't think that's what James is talking about. You know, because there's times when things aren't right. And, and you know, you have to critique it, use, you know, criticize, I guess, in a sense. There are times we need to speak up. It's a bit like the caution from a couple of weeks ago about peacemakers. Do you remember that one? You know, peacemaking is not about sweeping things under the carpet and hoping things stay peaceful because they never do. You know, the making part of peacemaking requires action, appropriate action. And likewise, not being critical is not about never speaking up when a person or a group of people, you know, sometimes they need to be called out in the right way or cautioned. But I caution us against justifying criticizing or criticism of others for the wrong reasons or in the wrong way. You know, I would say 95% of our talking about people inappropriately is not up to God's standard. It's not what he was talking about. Sometimes there needs to be correction given or concern expressed. And, you know, uh, if you were to zoom ahead to the last few verses in James chapter 5, he even encourages us. He says, bring back to faith those who have wandered away. And, you know, that 
we don't just ignore that. Sometimes we have to speak up, right? We have to encourage people. He doesn't say ignore them. He does say don't judge people. This is not a command to say nothing when it's appropriate to, but it's a fine line between expressing genuine concern out of love and moving into judging or criticising. You know, I think it's good the way the NLT has translated this as speaking evil. I think that's how we can kind of differentiate there. We know when we cross over into evil, I think. Or well, I hope we do anyway. Sometimes we need to address the wrong, but the end should never justify the means. You know, it's the means that are the important bit, isn't it? It's the process. And for me, the way to know if I'm saying, if what I'm saying is out of line, I think I can just ask myself two questions. It's this. If I'm talking about somebody, or to someone perhaps, it's what is my motive and what is my method? And if I say anything about another person, either to them directly or more importantly, if it's behind their back, especially if it's behind their back, you know, I have to ask myself, what is my genuine motive the deep down motive that's going on in my heart for this reason for talking. Because my own experience, you know, when I stopped in this sermon and thought about it, about my actions and the things that I may have done, my own experience tells me, and maybe this is a confession, I'm going to assume it's not just me, so don't leave me out hanging out here, okay? But if I was completely honest, far too often our motive for talking about someone negatively is because we get a little satisfaction from it. I hope I can still be your pastor. I'm trying to change. And I believe I have, you know, when I look back. But, you know, it, it, anyway. It's a little dark part of me. Uh, may, I, may I bring you into this? There's this little dark part of us. Thank you. That... Maybe we feel good sometimes. And we do the wrong thing and we say we speak evil of someone, especially if it's someone who has hurt us. Or someone who has just annoyed us, or, or someone who lets us down, or you know, someone who has a really a, a difference of opinion that clashes with us. Or someone who may be jealous, or we're jealous of or we're threatened by. Those categories. And I say something about them to another person or a group of people, perhaps you know, covering it up with a little bit of humour so that it feels okay. Maybe it just makes me feel a little bit better inside when I do that. And the Holy Spirit then kicks in two, two minutes later. Actually, he kicked in before it happened and I overrode it and did it anyway. And then two minutes later, I couldn't say, I realised we do the wrong thing. Does anyone know what I mean? Yes. See, church, if there is even a hint of that selfish motive, I think we fall into the category of evil talk that James is talking about. Because in some ways, you know, it can be a passive revenge. We're, we're, we're bringing someone down behind their back. hope they never hear that I said it. This is... The point. It violates the golden rule. It violates a direct command from God and the commands from, repeated by Jesus over and over again and by the apostles themselves. So let's do the filter question today. I've been loving doing this. When it comes to checking my motive for talking to or about someone, 
Here's some filter questions. Is it based on genuine concern rather than putting someone down? Am I trying to make myself feel better or build myself up? Is there any motive for revenge of hurt that I may have received? Do I tend to speak about others to more than one person? Because that's sometimes a sign. Am I defensive when talking about others? Am I... Emotions hide, they tend to be a little out of control and lead me down that wrong path. Is there any hint of jealousy? Am I talking about my concerns about another without going directly to them myself? You know, that's the big one. We've preached on this before about conflict and how we address it. Is my motive to see them do well or does something in me kind of not want them to? We're all in this one together, okay? <laughs> you know, there's probably others. But these are the kind of filter questions. If we find ourselves uh, speaking evil about someone or judging someone, we can probably stop and just ask us some of these questions. What is my motive? And what is my method? And hopefully that will help us. Point number two today, judging others is actually playing God. That's what James says in verse 12. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbour? We know our neighbour is everybody. It's not just breaking God's law. It's taking a liberty we don't even have. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's playing God. It's, maybe it's even a, elevating ourselves a little bit above God. Now, I know that seems a bit harsh, but remember from last week, Jesus says loving others is the essence of all the law. So if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, but we speak evil of others, James would say, better check your faith is real, Nathan. Because we may as well be saying God's law is wrong and we know better. Loving God and loving others is the big one, right? It's the greatest command. We just read about it in Leviticus Jesus himself said, this is the most important thing. Love God, love others. It's, it's the big one. You know, Paul repeats it. He says, uh, if, you can't do this, if you can't do anything without love, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how talented you are, gifted you are, money you have, um, success you have. You are just a gong until you can do love first. That's the big one. The Bible says it over and over and over again, and so we need to keep reminding ourselves that's who we are as followers of Christ. You know, I've given this quote from Billy Graham before a couple of times. I love it. He says, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. Now, I've already said this times you speak up. Yes, I get that. But you know what he's saying, Right? We don't have the right to judge people. Our job is to love people. It's our mission. If people are living a life that violates, violates God's law, our job is not to judge them. It's to love them just like Jesus loved us while we were still sinners. Yes, part of loving people is to point them to God's way for us as the best way and to talk. Yeah, we have to talk about sin. I know we do. Jesus did, the disciples did, but the way we do it is it's without judgment and it's always with love. 
Church, we live in a time when our culture, it's, it's turning against God more and more. And it's turning against his plan for us in so many ways. But as Christians, our love is not to get, uh, to not to judge people and be angry at them for that. You know, we don't put conditions on our love, do we? I mean, boundaries, yes. I, I, I get that. Boundaries are important. That's part of loving people properly. But not conditions. Can't withdraw our love from anybody. I'm not talking about compromising on the commands for holy living. But the number one command, as I've already said, so the number one command for holy living, if you're about holy living, is to love all people. Or we be that gong that Paul talks about. We are not God. The people in our life, in our community, who are far from God need our love first because I guarantee it, if they don't know that we genuinely love them for who they are as people, they won't hear the rest of the story from us. They won't know that we love Jesus and that, that, was, that that's the way for them. And I think Paul would agree and I think James would agree. You know, whether we come across people in our life who are atheists or, um, or, or they're another religion, you know, they're Buddhist or, or Muslim or they're gay or lesbian or transgender or they're, you know, they're alcoholics or they're, um, they've been in prison or they're still in prison. It doesn't matter. Our heart is one of compassion and love for the people that they will truly encounter Jesus and experience what we experienced. That's our desire, instead of one of judgment and condemnation. Because sometimes I've found elements of the church around the world, that seems to be the message that is sent out more than anything, isn't it? It's the condemning one. And yet, uh, James says, that's not even your job. It's God's job. So we can't judge people. It condemns them. To judge is to condemn. It writes someone off. This is what the Pharisees did. If there's one group of people that Jesus was upset at, it was them. They had it ran the wrong way. Remember the woman, uh, the woman caught it in adultery and the Pharisees, they were, ready, they were judging her. They were ready to condemn her until Jesus stepped in and saved her. Point number three today is we're held accountable to the standard we hold to others. <laughs> Told you it'd be challenging today. This is serious. I know this tends to be our weakness, but James is reminding the church of these words from Jesus. I'm coming out of James. I'm in Matthew now. These are the words of Jesus. Do not judge others and, he, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. You know, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. That's pretty blunt words from Jesus himself to his followers. You know, look, God can forgive us for this sin when we judge people. Yes, of course he can. But let, let this remind you that when we judge others, you know, we did sin. It, it, it cost Jesus his life for that. So it's... It's a big deal. And I think the point here is that we can't live up to the standard we often set for others anyway. So we should just stop it. You know, if Lex was here, he'd just that's usually one of his points in his sermons, stop it. <laughs> it's clear but simple. We should just stop it. You know, we have no right to speak evil about others and offer up judgment on them, even 
even if they owe us something, even if they hurt us in some way, because instead of judgment and condemnation, the way of Jesus is forgiveness and grace. You know, who are we to, to withhold grace to people when we've received so much of it from our Lord anyway? You know, when we don't do that, when we withhold grace and forgiveness, we're kind of cheapening that grace and forgiveness in a sense. Do you know what I mean? I know it's still, it's still real and his and powerful and it's ours and all that, all that sort of stuff, but what message are we really saying back to God when we can't pass on what he gave us? I mean, for all the things that I've done and he's forgiven me for and I can't pass that on to somebody else, it kind of trashes the forgiveness he's given me. It's about forgiving someone from your heart. You remember the the parable of um, the servant who was forgiven the debt. It's got a name. It's probably called the parable of the servant forgiven the debt. But <laughs> he was forgiven a whole bunch of debt from his master and then he wouldn't forgive the person who owed him something. Oh, Jesus, he's angry about this in this parable. You know, in Matthew 18 he says, uh, there would be a price to pay. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Again, it makes my heart beat harder. This isn't necessarily a sermon on forgiveness, but the essence of forgiveness is finding a way to forgive them in your heart and not getting revenge, because that's often what we do when someone has done the wrong thing by us. You know, we, that's, we go out and we judge and we speak evil about them to other people. Really, we should let justice be served by an authority or by God and not by us. Which is why it's grace and forgives us, not speaking evil or judging others to punish them. I want to just skip over verses 13 to 16. They may fit into next week's sermon, but I want to go to verse 17 just to help us finish today. Because this is how James finishes this chapter. He probably didn't write chapters, but this is how it finishes anyway. He says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I mean, this verse clears up a lot of grey areas in our life, quite frankly. (laughs) Sometimes we're unsure about something, but quite simply, if the Holy Spirit puts something in my heart that an action of mine, don't worry about others, my action is not right, the Bible says to go against that is sin. That helps us, doesn't it? So let's apply it to today. Perhaps we can justify the way we talk about others, but really we know it's not right. We can excuse it as venting frustrations or shrouded in language to justify what we're doing, but deep down we know, we know. We know. You know what you ought to do. So as I wrap up, as much as I love to finish on positive notes, and have you walking out here punching the air about stuff. I'm going to encourage um, you know, this message in your heart this morning um, to think about what the Holy Spirit might say I need to change. You know, let, let's embrace that today. Here's what the Holy Spirit does really well is bring conviction, not to punish us or to load us up with guilt, because he wants the best for us. He wants us to change. It's a positive thing. All right? The way I see it, it's another step into holiness. To be more like Jesus 
is a very positive way to leave church on a Sunday. Who agrees? So I'll take real change from conviction, please God, every Sunday. You know, my experience has been when I have a victory over a weakness or a sin in my life, you know, that feeling of satisfaction is awesome. It's like, I have actually changed. I am living for God the way he wants me to. And it's the better life for me anyway. You know, life to the full that Jesus talked about. When will we trust that verse and actually do what he says? That's the most satisfying thing. Emotions are fun, feelings are good, but they tend to be temporary. We could walk out of here today and have a life change. So as we close, I want to ask you to take a moment to think of the people in your life. You know you might have a tendency to speak evil about, as James was put it, criticise them, speak poorly about them, perhaps judge them. I'm going to ask you to start thinking about that right now. Actually, team, do you want to come up? Because we're going to pray. Who is that personal people that sometimes you can't help yourself? They're in your life and for whatever reason they've hurt you or um, you're frustrated by them or perhaps there's jealousy over there, something in their life. You know who I'm talking about. We tend to speak up about them in, in a negative way. Or who are the Who are the categories of people in the world that you judge? Those people. Those people. Who are they in your life and what would would the Holy Spirit say to you today about what you think and say about them? I just want to encourage you, church, today. Why don't you take a moment and and start with God and say, God, I'm sorry for that. Would you forgive me? He wants to do that. Let's start there. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. So God, I ask you now to show show me, show us what can I do differently that I can reflect on from this point on. What can I do differently in that person's life this week? What can I say about them, to them and about them, Lord, that builds them up and brings life? Lastly, God, we ask that um, you let this be a moment of change, please. You know, Holy Spirit, a time when faith comes alive in us and people see you more in me as a result. This would be my prayer this morning, Lord, that, you know, we're different from the world. We have to be. We have to be different, God. And And where we struggle, Lord, we reach out to you. We say, sorry, God, please help us. 
Please help us get there. You know, rewire the brain if we go down that pathway too quickly where we, we judge people, Lord. We don't want to be like that. We want to be like you, Father. We want to be like you. So Holy Spirit, do that work in every heart here this morning, I pray. Starting with the pastor. Let your light shine brightly into this neighborhood because we are different and loving and caring and compassionate and understanding and generous and faithful to you, God. May there never be any sign of a dead faith Instead, Lord, we pray you will set it on fire and let it burn brightly. No lukewarm faith here, Lord, today we pray. We know our faith is revealed in our actions and I pray our actions will honour you in every single way. God, we, uh, we look to you now. You are great and mighty and awesome. And it's your breath that's in our lungs. And this morning, God, we want to, even in this moment of challenge and conviction, we want to praise you because this is a good thing for us. We want to praise you, Lord.